Hey, welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. We've got Joel and Joel and Rose. How you hey. doing, Rose? <laughs> We're doing the Bible Overview uh, Podcast series, and um, we have started with our first episode with lovely Rose, and now we're in for episode two. Rose, do you just want to go over what we talked about, what we discussed in the first episode for anybody that might have listened to it and just wants a quick catch-up, and um, then we'll jump into the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, last week um, we were talking a bit about... um, our worldview and understanding that we have a certain lens in yeah, how we see the world around us. And so um, we unpacked a bit about um, different studying techniques of the Bible. So we had inductive Bible study versus um, deductive. So mm. either like speaking to the text or letting the text speak to you. Mm. Um, and it's not to say that one's better than the other, but at least with um, in, as a whole, but in, in terms of Bible study, it really helps to to go to the text with just completely unbiased perspective and mm. really allowing God to speak, um, yeah, like the, through the text. The to blank us. canvas, yeah. sort of let God paint the picture for you, rather yeah. than have your preacher or your teachers uh, from your previous church or childhood paint the picture first, and then you read the Bible. Just try and have it as a blank canvas right exactly yeah so and we also went a bit into like what a western mindset versus an eastern mindset looked like Mm. um and yeah that helps us unpack the bible so much more um because i think sometimes when we see it from our our western lens we can miss so much and um yeah and so i hope you see that a bit today mm. as we unpack a bit more of genesis Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> i love genesis i remember doing it with um chris twin and where he does the first what two verses and he goes for like two weeks on the I first <laughs> two verses of the Bible. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot in Genesis. So unfortunately, I won't be able to go too deep into this episode, but I'm hoping that I can give you some tools to mm. be able to unpack more for yourself. So. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, so I guess um, to start, when we look at Genesis, um, we often like think, you know, the Bible starts in the very beginning, like from page one, right? Um but we need to remember the audience, right? And it actually goes all the way into Exodus when Moses is actually in the wilderness with the people. They just crossed the Red Sea. And so um, there, there's this slave mentality. They have this mentality of, okay, like what, like who are we? Like what are we doing here? What's our purpose? Um, who is God? Like, is he someone I can trust? Mm. And so before we even start, we need to recognize that mentality um, because that's exactly what the author is going to address from the very beginning. Um, so yeah, when we look um, at Genesis, um, yeah, even the creation story, I think sometimes from our Western perspective, we look at it as... Um, almost an answer to like scientific uh research like Mm. you know how like how exactly did the world begin and you know what are the exact steps of how god created the world but we need to to take a step back and remember that with the israelites they weren't really focused on science (laughs) like they were slaves in egypt they're not 
concerned about that. They're mm. more concerned about, okay, who is this God that led us out of the wilderness? Who is this God who um, was faithful to my ancestors? Um, and, yeah, and they need, yeah, something that will give them a purpose and really a roadmap on, yeah, how to to live as, not only as an individual, but as a nation that God's called them to. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's just that's so good. Very being. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the cool thing about Genesis is, um, so the word in Greek actually means beginnings, um, but yeah, um, oftentimes in the the Hebrew title, uh, it's just the first couple words of um, yeah of the um, script. So um, that's how they would name the book usually. Yeah, so that's how they would name the book. Um, just some fun facts, but we do just from the very beginning, um, the heart of this book is essentially like this beginning, like, uh, it's a book of beginnings. It's the beginning of, um, God calling out Abraham. It's the beginning of God calling this nation to be his and to be a light to the nations. Um, so that's why there's such, um, a richness to this book because it, literally all the Bible flows out of Genesis. Mm. Um, it's the very beginning of God's redemptive story and how mm. even in the midst of humanity falling and, and doing their own thing, mm. God is, like, so much bigger than that. And he's like, okay, like, uh, it's kind of like a parent, you know, when he s- sees, like, <laughs> his toddler son, you know, about to do something silly, like maybe grab a <laughs> cookie from a cookie jar and... Like, the father is obviously so much stronger than his son. Like, he's not, like, worried that, like, you know, if the son, like, eats a cookie, like, he's going to spoil his dinner. But, like, ultimately the father has, yeah, just this heart for the son to um, to thrive. And he has his best interests in mind. And so, um, yeah, and so we see that in the story of Genesis of how, um, yeah, it doesn't matter how the story goes. It doesn't matter if we choose to, to turn away from God. Regardless of our decisions, God is steadfast and he um, is unshakable. And so I think that's a really encouraging thing, especially during, you know, a lot, a lot of times in history where, yeah, chaos mm-hmm. is happening. I mean, recently we've had COVID where things have felt pretty shakable. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but absolutely. to know that we worship a God that is unshakable mm-hmm. is, like, amazing. Um, yeah. And so, uh, can I just jump in real quick? Absolutely. Um, I love how what you were saying that um, Genesis is really the the beginning of, of 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 it all, but it's also so centric in God's whole plan. Like the plan of Jesus Christ is actually in Genesis as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember this from um, one of the teachers. I can't remember which one it was. It probably was Chris Twin um, <laughs> teaching on Genesis. And he said um, that the first 10 names in the Bible, uh, the first 10 generations, their names have meanings attached to each name. And you put them together and there's a sentence uh, Mm -hmm. that it actually forms. So the first 10 names are Adam, uh, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalaleel. Is that how you say that? Yep. (laughs) Um, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah. Lamech and Noah. So, mm-hmm. if I were to just get those names and then put the meaning of each of those names in a sentence, 
it actually says this. Adam means man, so man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessing of God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring despairing rest at or comfort. Yeah, I, it's the gospel so awesome. of Jesus. <laughs> wow, yeah. like laid out in the first ten generations of the Bible. Literally yeah. says, "Man appointed mortal sorrow." So essentially, man created the sorrow. Man fell, and then it says, "The blessing of God shall come down." That's Jesus, and he'll be teaching, and then his death shall bring despairing rest or comfort. So, wow. you know. It, it, it's fully Jesus right there in, in the Bible. Oh, and that's yeah. the first 10, just the first names. I'd yeah. like to know, I mean, why did we stop there? I know. I mean, we, it's probably the next 100 names in the uh, <laughs> like the whole future, right? The whole book. Who knows? <laughs> I feel like, you know, when, I don't know, when we finally have an understanding of all of history, there's going to be so much that God's going to be like, yeah, and I did that, and I did that, and yeah. it's going to be so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah it's mind-blowing. Yeah, I know. I and we even see that when, like, from the very beginning. Um, in, I mean, this is a bit jumping a bit ahead, but um, going into the story of Adam and Eve, we see that, um, yeah, Jesus is even prophesied through um, when, basically, when God was approaching Adam and Eve about like right after they they chose to to do their own thing. Um, we actually see how. Um, like he speaks um, to the, the serpent that deceived Eve, and he said, "I would put an enem- uh, enmity between you and the woman's offspring." Um, yeah, and um, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And it's actually um, we actually see that fulfilled through Jesus' death um, when he died. Um, he, he died on Golgotha, which means the skull. So it, literally, when Jesus died, it's like this picture of his his heel crushing the head of death itself. Wow. So it's like, we, we literally see like God's redemptive plan from the very beginning, mm. which is so amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also wanted to dive a little bit into a Jewish mindset, just starting off with Genesis. Um, so there's a, a certain... Um, literary structure that is often used, and you'll see it a lot in the Bible, and it's called a chiasm. And basically, um, the heartbeat behind a chiasm is um, they. So when a, a Jewish author was writing, it wasn't just here are all the facts that you need to know, mesmerize them, um, like yeah, like I'm just going to tell you plainly what this is. It's actually. Um, so they, they create it um, in this format of A, B, C, B, A. And so the idea is, you, as the reader, you pick up on that structure. And so when you find the heart of it, so that, that C aspect of the chiasm, it's supposed to be this discovery. This, um, and, and they really believe that in relationship with God, it's not supposed to be just a check a bunch of tick boxes off and call it good but actually like it's about experiencing God it's about relationship and yeah and so um we need to keep that in mind um as we go through it 
Um, but yeah, literally in the creation story, we see a chiasm from the very beginning. Um, so when you look at the different, like how it's set up with the seven days, you actually see um, basically God will create a space and then he fills it. And so there, oh, literally, you can spend like, like days and months just looking at Genesis and like seeing the structure. If you want to know more about that, I highly recommend the Bema podcast because mm. they do an amazing job sh- uh, sharing the Jewish uh, mindset yeah. and like that structure. And they do an amazing job pointing out those chiasms as well. Mm. Um, so that's B E M A mm. by Marty Solomon. So. Highly recommend. Um, but yeah, so with um, the creation story, um, there's actually a lot of different um, creation stories that were um, like the other surrounding nations believed. Um, and so I, be- I really wanted to highlight those um, today just to unpack a bit more um, with what the author was getting at. And so... Uh, yeah, so when we look at an Egyptian creation story, um, yeah, literally all these different creation stories are focused on, like, there, there's no connection between God or, like, the gods and people. Like, there's uh, a lot of anger. There's a lot of, um, um, yeah, humans were seen as an accident. Um, yeah. And yeah, they're vomited out and of yeah. different gods and things like that, aren't they? They're yeah. They're not, like planned (laughs) exactly so like basically humans are an accident and so it shows in how the the people live so Mm. um that's why the egyptians when they made the the israelites slaves um it's exactly why they mistreated them because they Mm. how how can they know that humans have value um i mean and i think that even is very challenging thing for us today like if if we don't understand God's heart for people, if we don't understand uh, every single person's individual value, then of course we're not going to treat them right. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's not the God we serve. We, we serve mm. a God who is very intentional and loves every single person. Mm. Um, and so we actually see um, the story of Genesis as a direct um, contrast to all these other creation stories. Mm. Uh, so I highly recommend looking more into that. Um, there's one for Mesopotamia, Egypt, um, the Canaanites who are living around them. Um, and a lot of it, yeah, is about, yeah, that destruction, that chaos, um, instead of, like, God bringing order to, uh, and to chaos and, and God making people as that the pinnacle of creation and Mm. making people for relationship with him um so yeah and we even when we look at the first verse it says um in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the earth was uh without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters Mm. um that right there um so in the um jewish or, yeah, in the Israelite mindset, um, waters were seen as chaos. So whenever they took a ship out to the sea, there was this chaos, this, um, uh, and, I mean, very deadly. Like, if you were caught in a storm, you know, in the middle of the sea, like, so they saw it as this death, this, this destruction. But when God's water, was, or spirit was hovering over the waters, 
it's literally a picture that we see later on with mm. Jesus and his baptism. Like, it yeah. came down like a dove. And that hover, that word for hover is like those the wings of a dove, like this this hovering mm. over the chaos. Like he brings order to chaos, um, and we see that echoed again in the story mm. of Noah. So that's kind of a little little um, nugget for you to study more into. But yeah, we see this this picture echoed, um, mm. yeah, in the Bible. But yeah, we see how like God's character and nature through that. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then we see at the very end, God creates man and woman in his image, uh, and literally as, as it goes along, it's set up as this poem. So this is like this beautiful love story that's just unfolding, um, and he commissions Adam and Eve, and he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, uh, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And, um, yeah, and so he basically is saying, like, okay, I have created you in my image. Um, and, and what's really cool about God is, like, him being the Trinity, um, that in and of itself points to the fact that he, in essence, is love. Mm. Um, you can't love by yourself. <laughs> uh, you have to, in order for love to be truly manifest, you have to have at least one other yep like person. I think that's why God was saying it's not good for man to be alone because mm. man by himself even though he can like love on the animals like they're the fullness of love is when two people mm. are expressing the image of God to one another yeah. through an act of love. And um, mankind isn't just talking about male. Mankind is actually male and female. Yeah, uh, together in, in that initial you, yeah, yeah, so there's you, like a unity there. Exactly, you can't have the love, like we are one. Everything's put into two, you know. Like mm-hmm. all creatures have two sexes and things like that. And it's interesting that everything is like that. I mean, we could be. I don't know if there is any creatures that reproduced without, except for like germs that reproduce yeah. without <laughs> certain cells and organisms. But yeah. But not not mammals or no like animals eh? yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Sorry, no, just creation a... declares the glory of God. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Just it's all <laughs> all pointing to Him, which is so cool. Um, yeah. So we see. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit last time about how there are these two trees. So God, mm. in order to fully give. Adam and Eve, that free will, he had to give them the choice. Mm. So they're the the two trees that were presented as an option. Um, And so one was the knowledge uh, of good and evil. Um, And so we'll see actually later on in the Bible, there uh, in the book of Judges, for example, it says that the people did what was right in their own eyes. Mm. Um, So that's really the crux of where sin comes into is, basically saying, I know better than God, Mm. and I can do my own thing. I can live life without him. And the irony of that is really how we were created was dependency on God. Mm. And so when we do live outside of that, there's nothing but death and Mm. chaos and destruction. Um, So essentially, it's kind of like a, a reverse creation story by them, like, choosing to, um, yeah, to do their own thing, to live outside of what God had for them um and we can see that even in our own lives when we 
try your own thing. Um, really, at the end of the day, there's not much fulfillment outside of relationship with God. Um, even for me personally, when I was in uni, I like had all this stuff set up. You know, was you know I'm from America, so classic American dream. Um, but I just there was something in my spirit that was like, ah, oh, man, like I can do all these things, accomplish all these things, have all that I want, and still it's just not going to satisfy. Mm. And yeah, and so that was just a journey that I personally went on. But it's really cool to see even in the story, the creation story, that there was so much. Um, yeah, like it literally all comes back to a relationship with God. And when we operate outside of that, like <laughs> we become only a fraction of what we were actually created to be. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, so unfortunately they left, but, um, and they had to leave the garden. Um, but what was so cool is, um, I've actually heard this on a sermon that, um, so when, when they were naked and they realized, oh my goodness, like I need to cover up, they found these fig leaves and fig leaves actually are an irritant to the skin. So they try to fix the problem by putting something on them that actually made it worse. (laughs) Um, but what's so cool is at the very end (laughs) before they left, um, it says that God clothed them in animal skin Mm. and, and it shows that with sin, there has to be a sacrifice. So Mm. this is the, actually the first sacrifice we see in the Bible. This, um, the, uh, the word atone means to cover. Mm. And so God literally was saying like, okay, even though you have messed up, like, I'm going to atone for this mm. through this animal. And basically it was this down deposit for what he later does through Jesus. Mm. Um, so from the very beginning, we see God is in the story, um, which is so exciting to see that. Um, I love that God still covers their shame. You yeah. know, they don't go out and hunt that animal and create clothes. Mm. God slays that and covers them. Yeah, I know. And that just, I think sometimes we get so focused on like, oh, well, he made them leave the garden. Well, the thing is, is if he didn't, they would have eaten from the tree of life, which means they would have been in an internal state of sin. And God Mm. was like, it was actually merciful for him to like let them leave the garden. Mm. Um, So we, we miss those pieces. But if we actually allow God to speak to us through the scripture, we'll pick up more on his mercy. We'll see actually yeah his heart um yeah within the pages which is really amazing um yeah so let's see here well we basically um i guess the next bit we see so that was the first covenant we see in the bible um and um yeah basically with covenant there's actually something just really huge that um unpacks more of like the heart of the Bible. So when we look at covenant, there's actually uh, so much, um, yeah, like actually, so when we look at the New Testament, the Old Testament, Testament, that word actually means covenant. Mm. So if we miss what covenant actually is, um, yeah, we will miss the whole whole story. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so when we unpack uh, covenant um, basically it was like the r- original root of covenant was when there were two parties that came together and um, 
you know, like today we see that a lot with um, marriage. So you have an exchange of vows. Often if you have a property, you'll have a, a legal contract that you would sign. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that I, during that day and, um, day and age, they would, instead of that, they would basically offer the sacrifice. So they would take an animal, like a sheep or something, and they would cut it down the middle, down, down along the spine, and lay the two halves on either side. And basically they would walk through the halves, um, basically declaring to one another that if they were to break this this contract, this covenant, um, they would be like that animal. So it was a very like serious commitment. Um, and we'll see we see that a little bit with uh, later on with the story of Abraham. Abraham actually makes a covenant with God, and what happens is um, instead of Abraham walking with God through the halves, he actually uh, is asleep, and God. So that there's a something that happens there where there's a smoking fire pot uh, or smoking yeah like pot and a, a torch walk going through the pieces and it's supposed to represent God's presence this mm. cloud by day fire by night and how ultimately if if um, Abraham falls short of this covenant if he breaks the covenant it's only going to fall back on God mm. which we see once again, like yeah. God's redemptive plan, how, yeah, even he takes a hit. And we see that through his son, Jesus. Um, so, yeah, with covenant, it was a big deal. Often, this was a time where, um, yeah, there were more nomads. It was very tribal. Um, so if you had a smaller, smaller family unit, they would want to join mm. with a larger family unit. Um, and so the, f- um, the leader was like the the eldest, so the, the father of, of that, um, I guess, tribe. Or, um, and so they would be making a covenant with the other group, um, that other family unit. And so it would be something that they would pass out, down from generation to generation. Um, and it was, it was a very serious thing because basically the, the father, like the leader, was saying, I, in exchange for, yeah, for you to make covenant with me, I will be your protector. I'm mm. going to basically spread my, my covering over you so that um, if, uh, like, in, we see that with Abraham and Lot, how Lot was taken away by radars. Mm. And uh, there's, like, all this fighting going on. And Abraham actually goes out of his way to rescue Lot. And this mm. all comes back to covenant um, and, and family. And so, yeah, uh, and there's a lot more to covenant, um, even, like, there's, even in a Jewish wedding, there's a lot more to that, mm. but that's basically the the basics that we, we can work with. Isn't, just sorry, just jump in mm-hmm. there with covenant, <clears throat> the, um, I heard somebody teach on covenant once, and they said that almost like uh, New Zealanders to Australia, um, is that we have a covenant with each other where the bigger party will actually protect the littler party. Yeah, that's um, definitely so, a good example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's so extreme when it comes to God as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he's making this equal covenant, covenant with us, although he's so much bigger and greater, mm-hmm. covering us tiny little humans mm-hmm. and, and, on, and putting us on an even playing field to say, you know, what whatever you go through, I'm going to go through pretty yeah. much eh? yeah and we see that even with jesus um and then i think it's so important for us to unpack that more because like when jesus 
you know, had the Last Supper, mm. a lot of the language he has actually is covenant language. So we, right. it's good to understand that. I highly recommend looking more into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least for this bit of it, we can see, um, yeah, how God was unfolding the story. Um, so we even see that with, um, yeah, so that you had the, um, after everything happened with the fall of Adam and Eve, uh, we see how sin very quickly escalated. So when they had, um, yeah, their their sons, they ended up, you know, killing the other one. And, um, yeah, so it was actually a pretty, um, yeah, it just shows the severity of sin, that when we live outside of God and relationship with him, it just goes from bad to worse. Um, so, yeah, when, um, so basically we see, um, uh, I love the the podcast, the Bama podcast, because he goes a lot into talking about the idea of um, essentially that um, us building our kingdoms. Um, so like, there's like this idea of um, building this tower, so like kind of like the Tower of Babel, where we try to elevate ourselves, we try to build our own lives, um, versus the kingdom of Shalom and this idea of submitting to God. And so we'll see a lot of that throughout the Bible, like this. And so these two perspectives, basically, um, uh, ha- wrestling with one another. We see a lot of, uh, and so God's really trying to establish this kingdom of shalom, and so He's looking for people to partner with Him. Mm. And so um, you see, you know, the story of Noah's Ark, right? And so at this point, like humanity is super corrupt. Like it's yeah, not in a good spot. Um, it's to the point where God was saying it actually grieved his heart. Um, and I'm not going to go too much into the whole... <laughs> um, uh, the flood story? Yeah, well, yeah, a little bit in the flood. Well, I was going to talk about um, the Nephilim, but, I mean, basically oh, as a on. whole... <laughs> okay, uh, I'll do the short bit. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, we do see, um, so in the book of Enoch... Um, it actually mentions Nephilim, um, and it talks about how giants came down and had sex with angels. But I like to zoom out a bit more because within the context of this story, um, I, I, if anything, the author would have realized, like, okay, there's a lot of corruption going on. And so, um, yeah, and so he's saying basically those who are living in this, this kingdom of Shalom are being corrupted by this um, this empire type of um, uh, dynamic, this this mm. people building their own um, kingdoms outside of God, and so um, and so it grieved God's heart because he bas- the very little light that was in the world was being kind of mm. like smoldered, uh, um, yeah, smothered out by all the the evil in the world, and so obviously do your own research, but. The general picture I pick up on in the story is that um, God's intervening with with Noah and mm. his family and trying to um, uh, basically retain the the little good that's left in the world. Mm. Um, and so he uh, he rescues Noah and his family. And what's really amazing is um, we see how God makes a covenant with Noah. And um, there's an amazing chiasm in there. 
um, Marty Salmon in Bama Podcast unpacks that a lot. But the idea is you have um, the, the rainbow was a sign of the covenant. And when you have a bow pointed towards the, uh, the clouds, it, it has that rainbow shape. Um, but yeah, it's like almost as if God was saying, like, I, I take the hit for this one. Mm. Um, so some fun nuggets with that. Um, but at the end of the day, it was like covenant really all comes back to God pay, like mm. I'm making a payment. Um, so it all comes back on him. But ultimately it's like, if you keep it within the context of this redemptive plan, like God wants to establish his kingdom of shalom and so mm. there are points in the story that he actually has to um yeah address evil because if he doesn't then the little good mm. that is there is just going to completely wipe it out yeah and so even though it does hurt i think for me it's hard to see that i'm like oh like you know just that wrestling point of um yeah seeing like yeah like people like with the flood story it's like oh yeah all these people died but I mean, this was, like, the worst of the worst people, mm. and so... And they also potentially weren't people, is that right? Um, there's a whole theology... I mean, it doesn't say specifically in the Bible, but um, it does indicate potentially that... It says that Noah was, you know, seen as righteous in God's eyes, mm-hmm. and then I have read somewhere that the uh, the term that he was using was meaning pure, and what what does that mean, pure? Because he wasn't sinless or anything like that. He had issues. He, you know, mm-hmm. um, Noel got drunk straight away, you know, right after the flood. And um, so he definitely wasn't pure. But what they're potentially meaning is pure as an untainted DNA, untainted blood. So because mm-hmm. everywhere else was getting fully taken by these Nephilim hybrid people, which were like giants. Um, and they were so innately corrupt just by their very nature that God had to take them out, that they, they were unredeemable because God could only come and redeem mankind because man is made in his image, where these Nephilim creatures are not made in his image, so they're unre- unredeemable in that sense because there is nobody that would be able to take that penalty Mm-hmm. Well, and, I mean, that's definitely a debated topic. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna probably not go too much into that. But the Book of Enoch, yeah. by the way, too, which is which is an apocryphal book, non-biblical mm-hmm. yeah. historical fiction, which would have been written a lot later. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, so and a lot the, of that comes from there. Hey. Yeah, and we also need to keep in mind the genealogy was right before that, and it talked about how like these two lines. One was basically from. Uh, Cain's line, who he was the one who killed his brother, mm. and the other one was from Seth, which was like this godly man. So we have to keep that in mind. But yeah, at the end of the day, we just see that evil's trying to smite out, mm. yeah, the the little good that's in the world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, have a fun research. Just a, a good one yeah. for the listeners to research if <laughs> yeah. they want to. Yeah, if they're interested in going into the crazy side of some of this stuff. Oh yeah, it's good. But yeah, so. <laughs> After the flood, we kind of go back to that original, like, empire versus shalom, where the, like, God's trying to to essentially bring re- restoration humanity, but the flood didn't wipe out sin. And so we see the Tower of Babel immediately comes into the story. Mm. And so there's this another situation of this empire-esque, um, this kingdom being established. And so that's when God 
basically scrambles all the the languages. Um, And he actually says, he says, um, nothing that they propose to do uh, will now be impossible to them. Um, So, yeah, basically, like, he knew that, like, people would be able to to be able to um, do whatever they had their mind set on. Um, But God actually saw the corruption in that, and he was like, man, like, if they actually were to succeed at this, if they were actually able to make one nation that is completely separate from Mm. God, it's literally going to, yeah, like, once again. It's um, powerful that you say that. Mm-hmm. The um, there's a book called Good or God by John Bevere. Mm-hmm. It talks about these these good things, but are they not? They're not necessarily always from God. Mm-hmm. And um, with the Tower of Babel, um, you've got this whole planet that speaks in unity in one language. And what they're able to do when they all work together, God says, you know, there's nothing that's impossible for them now. Mm-hmm. So, um, but what they were trying to do was again, like they would. Um, building a tower and they're like we're going to get build a tower all the way up to the heavens you know it's going to be this big big this magnificent it potentially meant we're going to build a tower into heaven Mm -hmm. who knows because nothing's impossible that's what god said and he came down and stopped that however you got the reverse which you're probably going to get to with tongues is Mm -hmm. that right yeah 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 so and unity is a good thing in god's eyes Mm -hmm. but and if we take charge and control of that, unity can bring mass destruction and chaos. Yeah, and God yeah. stops that. But he does encourage it because when it's in one body, like we are one body of Christ, mm-hmm. you know, so there's a there's a form of unity that is godly. Mm-hmm. But then there's obviously a form of unity that's outside of God, which brings crazy destruction if God didn't step in. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's really amazing is when when we look at the Tower of Babel, it actually, that picture of, because basically it represents the um, the pinnacle of evil of this empire. Mm. Um, and we see that theme throughout the whole Bible. We'll see that later, even in Isaiah, how uh, it talks, it echoes to how, because um, what happens is the Babylonians um, come in, and they're the ones who actually take the southern kingdom of israel into exile spoiler Mm. alert (laughs) um but i mean we do see the same and then later on in revelation there is uh it alludes to that so basically it's this this picture this image that is supposed to represent the pinnacle of evil Mm. um but yeah i mean and you know and babel as well where the word babel comes from was when people are babbling and they don't make any sense (laughs) yeah that's where the word that's that's where the word comes from is from people not making sense because Mm -hmm. of the languages was scrambled around the tower of babel exactly and bible project does an amazing job connecting those themes so highly recommend Mm. looking into some of those word studies um they do really awesome job with that um but yeah basically um yeah in a uh Jewish mindset um, they're basically like when we as we go on in the story there's all these pictures that are going to allude to things later on but we need to recognize where they first mm. originate and that's in Genesis um, so yeah like we need to recognize oh in this story the to- Tower of Babel story is the pinnacle of evil mm. so that picture then is played out in the rest of the Bible um, so yeah just another fun thing to keep in mind um, but yeah, so basically we're at this point where, oh, like God is just so grieved. And yet he finds this man, Abraham, and he's like, 
you know what? You are willing. I want to make a covenant with you. I want you to be a part of this restoration plan Mm. in humanity. And so, yeah, we see Abraham come on to the scene. Um, It's actually a theory that he actually came from the land of um, Babel. But um, basically, he went from that to Hebron. Um, And, yeah, so, it's yeah, kind of interesting that he would have maybe potentially been a Babylonian. Um, and he recognized, actually, it'd be so worth it to uh, follow God. Um, so I think that actually so shows a lot of how, um, yeah, even when we might be surrounded by a nation or, like, people who aren't after God, we can still be that, be that change. Mm. We can be, still choose differently and choose to partner with God. Uh, which is a very exciting thing. Um, so God actually, he told him, he said, hey, like, come and, um, yeah, partner with me. I want you to come to this land. Um, and it's actually really cool. I think sometimes we think oh, Abraham was, like, this guy who had no flaws. He just had everything together. Um, but actually we see there are many times where he's actually, he operates in his own strength. Um, there is a moment when he goes to Egypt and he lies to Pharaoh about his wife. Mm. Um, and he actually doesn't it multiple was a times. It was or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, there is, speculation, <laughs> there is speculation that maybe, like, she was related to him in some way. But regardless, like, he was slightly tr- twisting the truth to try to, to get a certain... Oh, I think I think uh, uh, his wife was a sister. Yeah, it I says know. that in the Bible. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if he I tells see it. he tells Pharaoh that she is his sister, so that they don't kill him for her. And then instead, Pharaoh takes her, and then he comes out and says, "Actually, she's my wife." And he says, "Why'd you lie to me? Here, have her back. I don't want to sin against you." Mm-hmm. But I don't mm. think she's actually his sister. Yeah, uh, it was a ruse. Yeah, and I mean, there are theories, so obviously hold that lightly, but um, as a whole, we just need to keep in mind that Abraham is not a perfect person, but what's so cool is, like, God's not calling perfect people Mm. to partner with him. He's calling people who are willing and, yeah, are just willing to learn, willing to, like, go on this journey of maybe being a bit rough around the edges, but Mm. being transformed by God and just walking with him. Uh, And so we see that even with um, Abraham, like, uh, he actually, um, there's an assumption that he wasn't supposed to bring his nephew Lot with him. And we see later on, um, there was some chaos between their two camps because they started to grow and multiply. And, um, yeah, and so then they ended up going into two different regions. Mm. But, um, so maybe where there have been points of disobedience later on, we see radical obedience. And so... Um, yeah, after God makes covenant with Abraham and basically is like, um, telling him like, I will give you a son. Um, and yeah, in verse 12, that's like the classic verse of covenant. He says, um, go from your country. Uh, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. All of the, um, I will bless those who bless you. Uh, and to him who honors you, I will curse all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you. So this is all part of God's redemptive plan. Mm. Um, but yeah, we see um, later on God establishes uh, circumcision. And then, um, yeah, 
Like, but basically it's this journey of learning how to surrender God um, and obedience and, yeah, and just learn relationship with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then we see basically it comes to the point where it's like God gave this this promise to Abraham, but he he really needed to test God's heart and to see, are you fully surrendered to me? And so there's this whole story of him about to sacrifice his son Isaac. Right. And um, and I often, I was studying this passage and thinking, because we, it's kind of like, oh man, like, that'd be so rough to, to have. It's like if you were given a Christmas present and your parents were like, okay, cool, give you this Christmas present. Now you're going to have to go to, down the street and give it to your, like, best friend. Mm. And <laughs> um, so I, I sometimes would look at that story and be like, oh, this is such a tease. Why would God promise that? And yeah. then take it away from him. But actually, it's um, when we are tested, it's an opportunity to see uh, what is in our heart. And so mm. when when he goes through this testing, you could like he genu- like he genuinely like goes through the whole thing and is like basically does the whole process about to like kill his son mm. until an angel stops him right before he's about to kill his son. And and so you see, he was, even though, like, he waited all these years, he waited over 10 years for Isaac. And then, you know, at this point, Isaac was, like, 12 years old. And and then the very thing that he has been waiting for all those years, he now has to sacrifice. And the fact that he was willing to sacrifice him shows the depth of relationship that he has with God. Yeah. And then not only that, like, when we look at that... Um, I, like, if you were to project God onto that situation, like, God did that very thing with Jesus. Like, he was even willing to go to the extent of sacrifice, like, hmm. sacrificing his own son on behalf of all of us. And that was a test of, like, his love for us, even. Hmm. So it's really cool to even see echoes of that. And even down to the details of, like, um, there is a male ram, which that was, um, we see how... It was so he asked. He basically was saying that he needed a lamb for the burnt offering, which we know that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. But then what he found was a ram, and so which a, a ram is like an adult lamb. And so mm. Jesus was like that sacrifice. He was that sacrificial lamb. So it's just an echo of Jesus. <laughs> it was also caught in a thicket, wasn't it? Yeah, it was caught yeah. in a thicket, which is like, what's a thicket? A thicket's like a, like a thorny bush. Yeah. And Jesus was, you know, crowned with thorns yeah. around his head. Isn't that amazing? Like those tiny details. Isn't it on the same mountain? Yeah, it actually, that, yep, that was, um, basically it's pretty close to the same region as when where the temple was built and mm. also where Jesus was sacrificed. He was wow. sacrificed right outside of Jerusalem. So wow. it's there's so much, so many of these connections we can see in the Bible of yeah. God's redemptive story. Wow. Just and so cool. I love it because it's got these two men, Isaac and Jacob, and they're, um, sorry, uh, Abraham and Isaac. No, yeah, Abraham and Isaac, eh? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, got a little bit confused there for, with the <laughs> no characters. Um, and he's got two men trying to, like, they, they're doing everything that God asks to to create the sacrifice to honor and to uh, atone for their sin, essentially. And God still steps in and goes, it's actually still not good enough. I will supply 
the the right sacrifice for you and and I love how he supplies the ram but it's that foreshadow of even if you were to sacrifice yourself mm. it's not going to be enough mm-hmm. I will have to supply the lamb of God yeah, which good. is yeah. God oh that's so good yeah. <laughs> yeah, really it's just good. like yeah. shows no matter even if we were willing to go to the cross like Jesus we're still not worthy enough to do it. Yeah. Like, even if we were willing, we, mm-hmm. we still couldn't do it. it. It's just an unachievable atonement to, yeah. to, to a standard that we can't... Everybody's fallen short, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and doesn't it say later in Hebrews as well that, uh, you know, for Abraham to have given up his son, he waited so long for him, but in Hebrews he said he even considered God able to raise him from the dead. Which is also Boom. cool. Yeah. So Abraham was thinking, even if I kill Isaac, I know Isaac's promised. God could just raise him if he wanted to. And I don't know. He wasn't ready for that to take place yet. So he provided the lamb. And yeah. That's, yeah. that's powerful, Joel. Yeah. Awesome. It just shows that intimacy and that relationship. So yeah. Yeah. Super cool. That's awesome. So where do we go from there? Yeah. So basically, we're going to be tracking this family line. And so. Um, like the first bit of Genesis was the creation story, and now we have like him partnering with Abraham. Yeah. And then you have all these these different, um, I guess you could say, founders of this um, this covenant, right? So we have Abraham, uh, we have uh, Isaac. So he later gets married, he finds a uh, a wife, Rebecca, who has very similar um, uh, heart posture as. Um, as Abraham, she actually, um, she was at a well watering all these um, uh, camels that was uh, from the servant of Abraham. And what's so cool uh, is that she, like, in the act of watering these camels, she had that DNA of generosity, which we see that's another key um, uh, DNA of Abraham is this this idea of hospitality, this this over-the-top generosity. Mm. And we see a lot of that in um, the Middle East. A lot of that culture is, like, hospitality Hospitality is, like, uh, absolutely, like, over-the-top, mm. just lavishing love yep. onto people. Um, yeah, and not going to go too much into that, but um, there is some stuff in B1 Podcast that would definitely recommend for you to listen to. Uh, but yeah, so basically we're gonna we have Isaac, then we have um, then we have Jacob and Esau after Isaac. So Jacob is the one who ends up getting the covenant blessing. Um, <laughs> they are well known as the two brothers that are quarreling from inside the womb. <laughs> so they are these two nations that are uh, who later on are fighting it out. So we see later on with the nation of Israel. They have a lot of beef with the nation of Edom. Um, but, yeah, that's more of a fun thing to look into. But we see that, um, so that basically there is this blessing. So the firstborn was meant to get the blessing, was meant to have the covenant promise given to them. And now Jacob, he was determined. He had this zeal about him. And um, even though he maybe had some of it, um, misplaced. <laughs> it was a bit like misplaced zeal. Uh, he did have that zeal. And so um, there, he fooled his brother twice into basically getting the like firstborn um, 
privileges. And, um, and when I say privileges, it really isn't supposed to be, oh, I'm a firstborn, and so I get to, like, have all this awesome, like, stuff to hold over the younger siblings. But it's actually a privilege because, just like as I said with Covenant, they're the one to be, to replace the father. They're the one to... Mm look after the whole family. And so they're given a double portion because it's actually responsibility. But, yeah, so maybe Jacob wasn't thinking of that, but who knows. So anyways, Jacob gets the blessing. Um, And even Jacob, even though he uh, is a bit sneaky (laughs) at times, we see that God sees this heart in him. And, um, yeah, and so I think when God looks at Jacob and Esau, um, he doesn't want us to be um, platonic. He doesn't mm. want us to be basically like, okay, yeah, like, God, you give me your blessing, but actually, like, be zealous for God. He wants that zeal. So even though Jacob maybe wasn't <laughs> the most righteous guy in the Bible, we do see that zeal, and God does want us to, to see that, and he wants us to be zealous for him. Mm. Um, so it's good to even keep that in mind as we trace his story. Um, so later on, we have, um, so Jacob, so God basically renews this covenant with each generation. He renews it with um, Isaac, so Abraham's son. Then he renews it with Jacob. And there's this beautiful scene where he, um, yeah, basically, it's called the Jacob's Ladder. And it's because there's literally like this open heaven um, over him. And <laughs> these angels ascending and descending. So we know that's also known as the Jacob's Ladder. Um, but it's also a picture later on we see in the New Testament when, when the d- disciples see angels coming, mm. uh, ascending and descending on Jesus. So it's actually this echo of ultimately this gateway into mm. like God releasing heaven on earth. Um, and so, I mean, that's a classic scene. But basically, we see God renews a covenant with Jacob, um, which is really awesome. And, yeah, and he even wrestles the angel. Um, and, yeah, I think it. I think that's such a great um, concept for us to even walk away with is um, at the end of the day, like, I think, yeah, God wants our zeal, and so for him to wrestle with an angel, or, yeah, which could have been, like, a... a, um, a metaphor? Yeah, metaphor, or, like... Um, I mean, and if you even take a step back and think of it from a, a Jewish mindset, mm. it's about an experience with God. So mm. for Jacob wrestling with his angel, for Moses meeting God at the burning bush, it's all these experiences. It, it points back to that relationship mm. with God. Um, so, yeah, it shows that he, even though like God is much bigger than him, he is still, like, determined, and, like, he still has that zeal. Mm. Uh, I think some, and so God wants us, like, when we have those moments where we don't understand things, it's not a matter of questioning God's character and nature, but actually, like, God does want us to wrestle things through with him. He, because he, he's big, mm. he can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, God would rather have that than for us to be like, oh, well, you know, this situation sucks, and I'm just going to drift through this and 
Yeah. Like, yeah. Like wrestling he, builds yeah. character and wrestling builds that endurance, you know? Exactly. So God's like, come on, I can take it, you know, yeah. wrestle with me, you know? Yeah. You got these questions, you got these thoughts, you know, wrestle with me. Exactly. Yeah. And and he loves, I mean, great ways. Job too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and, you know, to journal those things out, just to, to ask God those hard questions. Mm. I think there's a lot of hard questions in the Bible, but God's just like, come on, I t- mm. you know, I can take that. Um but yeah, I mean, so that's a lot we would of stuff that we can learn from Jacob. Um, so in that moment, his name was changed to Israel. So that's mm. actually where we get the name for the nation of Israel through him. Mm. And he has um, 12 sons. Um, and so the, basically the story of Genesis ends with um, the story of Joseph, but ultimately his sons. Um, and just to kind of take a step back, so Joseph, um, so he was, his story is, you know, he was favored son of, you know, of Jacob, Mm. and he goes into slavery, and after he goes into slavery, he goes into prison, so it gets from bad to worse, and then he comes out of it basically being a leader Mm. in Egypt. Yeah. Now, when we think of that, like, what do you think that would have communicated to the Israelites coming out of Egypt, like, after being in slavery for mm. hundreds of years? I feel like that would have really, like, hit home in their hearts. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so... I might drop, drop another Jesus bomb. Yeah, definitely. So, Joseph, and he's got 12 brothers, right? Mm-hmm. 12 disciples. Exactly. And Joseph is the one that sold for silver. And so was Jesus sold for silver, Whoa, yeah. betrayed mm-hmm. um, by the by those that loved him, and um, then he you know pretty much goes into this hardship, which would be similar to the cross, mm-hmm. um, to for for service for us really, and then comes out as a king, pretty much a king at the right hand of oh, wow. the Pharaoh or mm-hmm. or whoever was the was it the Pharaoh, eh? mm-hmm. and he was the right yep. he was like the next in charge. And Jesus says that, you know, I sit at the right hand of the Father. And mm-hmm. then, and he literally comes out and these people have no food, total famine, and they have to go to Joseph for refuge and for, uh, you know, safety, really. Mm-hmm. And that's Jesus saying, you know, come to me, I will be, I'll be your spring of living water. Yeah. I'll be life. Yeah. And um yeah, it's just I love that. Eh? There's Jesus just everywhere. People say Jesus is only in the Old Testament, uh New Testament. <laughs> he is not. He is all over the place. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So and yeah, it's just really cool to see that and how much like God is like literally setting the stage through Genesis and how like that actually pans out mm. in the rest of the Bible, which is so cool. Yeah. Um but yeah, like even realizing so with Joseph, um, so basically, um, Jacob has these two wives, mm. and so he didn't like the first wife, which is Leah, and so he ends up having her because uh, his father-in-law basically, mm. um, oh, what's the word, um, deceived him and was mm. like, oh, like yeah, this is Rachel, and then he ended up sleeping with her, and he had to keep the covenant. So then he ends up waiting for another seven years and is able to marry Rachel, and so there, there's this quarreling between the two women. Um, 
Like, it doesn't explicitly say in the Bible that, you know, you shouldn't marry multiple wives, but we can see a lot of negative side effects of <laughs> marrying multiple wives. Like we well, It are, says in the New Testament, doesn't it, to take one wife, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, we do see, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't really lead to, to much good. Um, but, yeah, we see jo- Joseph is actually the firstborn son of the second wife. So mm. I wonder if, um, yeah, basically... Jacob saw him as like the first legitimate son mm. um, because it was his favorite wife, uh, and so that's what caused tension with him and his brothers. His brothers, out of jealousy, wanted to kill him. But mm. then God actually he wove himself into the story and was like, mm. even in the midst of like all this sin, all this quarreling, I'm going to bring my redemptive plan. So we see. Joseph, even though he goes into slavery, all this mm. negative side effects of sin, he God ends up exalting him and preparing him for basically a time to to redeem the Israelites mm. out of this famine. Um, so later on, yeah, just as you said, um, basically there's yeah a massive famine in the land, um, and so it's kind of ironic because you know they escape Israel to or like the the land of where they were staying in it's the Canaan region, but it's what is present-day Israel, that region, mm. to go to Egypt. Um, and that was a very place that after a couple hundred years, they ended up going to slavery. And mm. so we'll see that that story continued um, on the next podcast with Moses. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but ultimately, we see God's hand in the story. Yeah. And even in the midst of them going through slavery, like God is faithful to mm. to to be with this family and ultimately they're meant to be a blessing to the nations mm. and so um we see even joseph is living out that by being a blessing mm. to all the surrounding nations in the midst of a very uh, mm. severe famine um so just to recap what we went over already today with genesis basically we see um the result of sin with adam and eve and how even though God, you know, is a God of intentionality, of love, they choose to do their own thing, thinking mm. that somehow how they were created was not enough, mm. <laughs> which is somehow the lie that we seem to um, believe over and over again, even though it's like God says, you are enough. Like, I created you yep. for a relationship with me. Mm. So basically, after that, we have the fall, and we have all these series of stories where God is redeeming the the story and mm. um he he makes this covenant with abraham mm. and and so next podcast we'll go a bit more into that story but we see how ultimately there's this this calling on them to be a light to the nations mm. so yeah i think that's all i have for today is there any questions or maybe thoughts um I've got one last Jesus bomb that I forgot about (laughs) until right now Mm -hmm. um, with Joseph and how he's in prison at one point. Yeah. And he's right, this is right before he ascends to become that, you know, the right hand man of Pharaoh. Um, And he's in prison and he's got this, these two people with him, a bread maker and a wine uh, cup bearer. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because uh, he, um, reads this guy's dream and, and translates it and says, this is what it means. You're going to go out and your body is going to be broken and you're going to die, essentially. Hmm. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. He was yeah. doing communion right before his death. 
And he said, this is my, this is the bread, which is broken for me. And there was a bread maker in Joseph. And he's like, he's the one that gets broken. And then with the cup bearer, it's through his blood. That's what brings us our royal lineage. That's what brings us um, Mm. the ability to step into that role, the same as Joseph, to be side by side. And what happens with the cup bearer who has the wine, which represents Jesus' blood, is he goes and he sits right next to Pharaoh. (laughs) <laughs> um, and works with them close by, which is what we're called to be as co heirs of Christ. Wow. And with, yeah, so essentially, and Jesus does this whole communion thing in the New Testament, which is a representation right before he ascends. So he goes to the cross and then ascends. And in Joseph, he goes to Pharaoh and then eventually ascends to um, the right hand uh, man of Pharaoh. Yeah. So, wow. just another cool <laughs> Jesus bomb. I, I, and do you know who told me that? Who told you that? An eleven-year-old boy figured it out. Wow. Called Caleb Tonks. Come on, that's if wow. you were, awesome. If you were listening, Caleb, <laughs> shout <yep>. out. <laughs> yes. Over lockdown, he decided to read through the Bible, and he got to that point, and he went, "Hey, Dad, what about this? Is this a foreshadow of Jesus?" That's awesome. God amazing. Can speak to any of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so cool to see. Yeah, like all of that unfold as you read the Bible. So yeah, yeah, so cool. cool. Well, thank you, Rose, for coming on and doing this episode. Absolutely. So we'll <laughs> we'll uh, definitely do the next episode soon. And um, those that are listening, stay tuned for the series. I hope you're enjoying it. And if you are enjoying it, make sure that you like our Facebook page and uh, that you keep up to date with all of the new releases. So we'll see you next time on the Jesus Magnet. <laughs>